0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of On Air with Rebecca. Now I'm really excited today because I've been following this guest for quite some time. So I'm excited to finally sit down and talk with him. I know it's gonna be just such a spirit-led conversation. He's an author, a speaker, and a pastor of Grace and Peace Global Fellowship in Tampa, Florida. And God has been giving him visions and dreams for years. He's not afraid. To tell the truth, and he has a timely word, a new book coming out called Overcoming Familiar Spirits. We're going to be talking about that and so much more. So, Dr. Bridges?
1: Yes, thank, thank you for you having so me. Thank you so much for
0: being here. Thanks okay, for,
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate this.
0: So let's start off with, we were just talking behind the scenes about this book, Yeah. and I was asking you, okay, why was this a word? for now. So tell us what God showed you and what led you to writing this book.
1: So it's an interesting story. Uh, a, a friend of mine who's a, an attorney, he's a partner in a law firm, we were talking about a property that we were looking at for ministry in Florida. And uh, the property was owned by an Assemblies of God church and it you know, didn't have any debt. They built it from the ground up. So they never took out a bank loan or anything. So I said, oh, you know, the properties free and clear we can just do you know like a contract he says well you need to do a title search and i said okay he says because a property can be paid in full but still have a lien on the property and i said what do you mean he says well he says for example there's something called a mechanic's lien which is basically or a mechanical lien is another way to describe it uh if somebody does work on a house or they do a renovate your roof or do something major and you don't pay them Uh, they can actually put a lien on your home. So when you try to sell it, you can't because it has a claim against the home. A lien is a legal claim against property. So, and I said, wow, that's really deep. And as after he talked with me, I was, I'll never forget, I was sitting in a hotel room in Houston, I believe. And the Holy Spirit said, many of my people have demonic liens Mm -hmm. against their life and destiny. And this is what is hindering them from really seeing the purpose of God manifest. They love God. They love uh, the Lord. They love ministry and they're saved. Uh, but the house can be paid in full and still have a claim against it. And he says, so I want you to, to help my people discharge these spiritual liens or these claims against them that are keeping them in bondage. And so that's why he wrote the book.
0: So it's so interesting that you say this because one of the things I want to talk about on this show is spiritual warfare. And it's because growing up, I wanted to avoid that topic Mm -hmm. because I thought if I didn't talk about the devil, didn't acknowledge demons, that I wouldn't get bothered. <laughs> <leave> you alone.
1: <laughs> That's
0: not true. If exactly. you walk in the calling and destiny of God, yeah. the devil is going to attack you. I mean, the devil Absolutely. wants to destroy everyone. Exactly. But if you're going to be obedient to the Lord, he's really going to go after you. Yeah. And it took me going through a season of going through a lot of spiritual attack, yeah. learning for the first time spiritual authority in Christ yeah. and all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And so now I do like talking about spiritual warfare yeah. because I think a lot of people— are maybe dealing with something and they don't understand the spiritual aspect of mm-hmm. it. And I yeah. think this is a huge topic where they could be dealing with familiar spirits, mm-hmm. these claims on their life, mm-hmm. and if they don't know how to deal with it, they can try to go forward and forward and forward, yeah. but it's like they can't move forward because they these demons have a claim.
1: Exactly. You know, um, there's two things you have to address when you talk about this. One is the law of permission, which I talk about in this book. The the demonic world always needs permission. Mm -hmm. It needs an invitation. It can't, demons don't just show up because they they show up. There has to be some form of agreement with the demonic power to give the enemy access to us. Mm -hmm. And that's why Amos tells us, how can two walk together except to be agreed? We see all of that. And um, the other thing is, when when we look at this whole generational dynamic, it's important for people to understand that um, the spiritual world is not like this place, well, well, that's not fair. People say, well, this is not fair, right? Well, it's it's not fair. You know, the spiritual world is not fair. You can fight demons that you did not invite. Somebody else invited them in. But because you are connected to that person or connected to that bloodline or connected to that family, it can affect you. And so this is why Paul says in his epistle, uh, so the, I believe it was in Corinthians, he says, I will not have you ignorant of the enemy's devices, Mm -hmm. he has things that he does and things that he, ways that he operates. And I'll give you an example. If you look at um, Samuel, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Samuel anoints King Saul, and he tells him, one of his first assignments is to go kill Agag and the Amalekites. Agag was the king of the Amalekites. God told him to kill man, woman, and, and and children. Get
0: rid of everyone.
1: Kill everybody. In other words, we would consider that genocide.
0: Yeah, wipe them all
1: out. Wipe them all out. So when uh, he gets there, they kill a few of them, and he keeps the best of the livestock, and he spares Agag and probably his family. And so he comes, in, and, and Samuel rebukes him and says, you did not do the word of the Lord. And he lied. Well, I did perform the word of the Lord. And you, you read the story. And you say, well, what's the big deal? You know, I may have not wanted to kill the people either. You know, you read the story, but there's a spiritual implication in the story. Because hundreds of years later, several generations down the line, Israel is no longer in uh you know the you know the Jews are no longer in Israel they're in the Persian Empire right and there is under captivity under captivity, and now there is um, there's a man named Haman mm-hmm. and Haman, if you read the book of Esther the first time he's mentioned he's referred to as an Agagite. He's a descendant of King Agag, right?
0: Oh,
1: I didn't know this. He's an Agagite. He's a descendant of King Agag, and he sees Mordecai, right? And the Bible says Mordecai refused to bow to him, and from that day forward Haman says, "I'm going to wipe out the entire mm-hmm. race of Jews. I'm going to commit a holocaust." So what do we see here? Even though this is hundreds of generations later, the spirit of Agag was still trying to destroy the Jews through one of his descendants. You see, mm-hmm. and that's what we call a generational iniquitous pattern, or 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 generational attachment to a familiar spirit. Mm-hmm. So they weren't just fighting one person; it was a spiritual battle. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? The same thing when we talk about abortion. You know, when we when we talk about abortion, for example. And why are we so vocal against abortion? Well, because abortion is not about just choice. It's not an issue of choice. There was a God worshipped in the ancient world called Molech. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways they, they venerated Molech is by sacrificing children on the altar, right? So when you do these egregious acts, you invite demonic powers into communities. These are familiar spirits. When you, when you have an abortion clinic in an urban neighborhood, look at the crime. In that neighborhood, look at the look at the the atrocities that happen. Well, those things are not just happening because it's you know a black or Latino community. it's happening because of spiritual laws. you know those altars that are being erected in those communities are inviting demonic powers. And so one of the ways that we fight those demonic powers is not just by going in there and praying, we have to destroy the altars. Mm -hmm. We have to tear down the high places, you know? So this is an example of what I mean. Sometimes we're facing things we didn't necessarily invite, Mm -hmm. but someone invited them. You know, it could be in our bloodline, it could be in our family. I mean, imagine a wife who has a husband who watches pornography, yeah. So here you have she's not watching pornography but guess what because he's the spiritual head of the home that those spirits can still enter the house mm-hmm. even though she doesn't want them there.
0: Yeah.
1: You know so these are examples of what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah and also it can travel through the family line like you were of saying course. and so one of the things I know it talks about, Moses talks about this, I think, in the book of Deuteronomy. Yeah. But it talks about how God wants to bless, and he'll bless a hundreds. A hundred. blessing. I think almost a thousand. A thousand generations. Mm-hmm. But there is a curse. Yeah. I think three to four generations. Exactly. Because if God, it's a principle thing. Mm-hmm. If God can bless, there's also a choice for those who don't obey God's commandments and exactly. they can curse. And one of the things actually Derek Prince talked about is one of the most common things he would see is the first commandment is you'll have no other God beside me mm-hmm. not just before me but beside yeah and he would talk about if anyone would ever engage in the occult if they would mm-hmm. you know see a psychic you know if they would get a palm reading if they would engage in mm-hmm. uh what is it with the zodiac your horoscope yeah. which is a false prophecy he said that invites yeah you're breaking that commandment and you're opening a door because you're inviting a demonic spirit in right. because you're you know you can still believe in God, mm-hmm. but you're going to a false God right for answers, yeah, and so that can go through the generation, so you might not have engaged in exactly. any kind of witchcraft, mm-hmm. but you could have had a parent, a grandparent, mm-hmm. and so this is the kind of stuff that could be in your line. Mm-hmm. And, um, he actually talked about for himself personally, there was a spirit of depression,, mm. and the Holy Spirit had to show him because he was dealing with depression, and it was a familiar spirit. It had affected his father, yeah, and he had to take authority over that, so leading up to my question, you know, we don't know everything that's in our family lines, mm-hmm. so how do we figure out if there is a familiar spirit, and how do we deal with it?
1: yeah, so um, I talk about uh, in, in some of this, I talk about, you know, the, the diagnostics, right? Mm -hmm. For how, how do we identify that a demonic power is present? Well, there's certain things that demons, uh, bring. Okay. Number one, they bring bondage. Okay. So wherever there's bondage, the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So that's the antithesis to, Bondage, right? Mm-hmm. So when we find areas in our lives where there is persistent bondage or affliction, whether it be a depression, whether it be fear, there's people that have anxiety attacks, mm-hmm. things like this. Those are often uh, indicators that there is a demonic power present. Mm-hmm. The other thing too is if I can't shake this thing,
0: mm-hmm. you like know, like struggling with something. It's in particular. just.
1: I mean, it's just an ongoing struggle. It just keeps going on and on and on. You've prayed about it, you go to conferences, you've read the Bible, you love the Lord, but this thing just keeps rearing its ugly head. A lot of times that can be um, evidence that there's a demonic lean working in that particular situation. And so we have to be able to use the right diagnostic. And I think ultimately uh, when we see uh, you know, ill favor, calamity, right, premature death—these are all things that are indicative that there's something spiritual working. Yeah.
0: And so you actually faced a lot of pushback, a lot of warfare when you wrote oh, man. this Come book on. <laughs> because you know a lot of people in the church, I think, aren't talking about spiritual warfare, right. and yet I think it's a huge issue. Exactly. I think a lot of believers are struggling. Yeah. And I think even our concept of demonic spirits, them operating in our lives. Yeah. I don't even think, you know, all we know is Hollywood's version of the exorcist yeah. <laughs> or something like that. And it's really not usually like that at all. Exactly. And I remember talking to a fra- counselor friend of mine who grew up in Zimbabwe. And so he had experienced a lot of witchcraft. And he was actually able to give me a lot of insight on it. And he told me, he said, it's not about necessarily in or out with demons, because he would counsel people and he would have to cast demons out of people. Mm. They would come in for an issue, and sometimes it wasn't mental, it was something spiritual. Right. And he said, it's about influence in your life. Exactly. So you can be a Christian, you mm. can be living your life for the mm. Lord, you can even be spirit-filled, right? and you can have, they can have influence over this one area of your life. Exactly. What other ways can someone give permission to allow a demonic spirit to enter?
1: So this is a, a great question. Um, one of the things that's interesting is the big debate in the church has always been, can a Christian have a demon? No, I got the Holy Ghost, I can't have the demon. But but it, you have to look at what the Bible is actually saying. When we read the King James in particular, it uses the word possessed. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times that word possessed is a mistranslation.
0: Yeah,
1: The word is actually, uh, to be demonized.
0: Yes, that was the word that he used.
1: Exactly, to be demonized, and that word uh, "demonized" it comes from a Greek word. It means to be under the influence of a demonic power. Now I tell people this: you can drink alcohol, mm-hmm. right, and and be under its influence. You you don't become the alcohol. The alcohol is in you. It's influencing you. We separate ourselves from the alcohol, right? It's the same thing with a demonic power. You have to learn how to separate the influence from the person, right? Just because I'm, you know, I'm feeling these things, or I'm, um, you know, being affected by these things, that's not my identity. That's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And so here's how a lot of these things happen when we come into agreement with the demonic power, right? So the enemy may bring the suggestion, you know what, I'm not, nobody likes you, right? And you, this thought comes through your head and instead of casting it down, you say, you know what? That, that's kind of true, because I went out the other day, nobody even said anything to me. Well, you're right, nobody does like me. I've always thought that, nobody. And what's happening is that now you're coming on a demonic influence. Wow. Now, a spirit of rejection is coming in now, a spirit of depression is coming in, and now you've you 've opened the door to that power, and now it it becomes more pervasive. Now you find yourself you, you, you can 't break free from these these thought patterns you see so that 's how it happens. The enemy makes the suggestion, but he needs your agreement for that suggestion to manifest and that 's that 's really uh how it works, you know. For many years, I dealt with the spirit of rejection. Yeah, I was the youngest baby. My mother got sick when I was younger, moved out of the house. My father worked all the time, and I was just always there. And the devil would minister to me and tell me, you know, you know people don't, people don't like you. Mm-hmm. And one day I was praying, and because I was, I would always tell people, you know. Girls didn't like me, and nobody liked me. And the Holy Spirit said, that's a lie. Mm. I was like, huh? He said, that's a lie. He said, who told you that? That didn't come from me. Then he took me, almost like a camera reel, throughout my life, and he showed me at every turn there was someone there God used to show me love and acceptance. You see what I'm saying? Just all throughout my life, he showed me different people. He said, you actually believed a lie. And that's why that lie had power over you. So one of the ways that we break free from the enemy is John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth makes you free. So you got to fall out of agreement with the lie. That's, no, that, that's not true. That's not who I am. Yeah, yeah demon, my great grandmother may have invited you with that spirit of suicide, but there's a new owner In town, there's a new custodian of this house, and you don't have permission to live here. (laughs) Great-grandma may have invited you, but I'm the custodian now, and you can't come into this temple. And so that's how we have to make our, our stand.
0: See, you bring up such a good point where the devil can speak to us. Yeah. And as believers, we have to get filled with the Holy Spirit and yeah. we have to know God's voice. There you go. We have to understand our voice when it's our own head talking to right. us and then the enemy's voice. Exactly. And I remember being seven and I did not understand it until I was an adult. Mm. But I remember being seven years old and there was a spirit telling me, oh, you're going to hell. Mm. And trying to fear from a very young age, yeah. trying to creep in. Mm-hmm you know, and get me afraid. And I remember telling my mom, I just keep hearing that I'm going to go to hell. I'm not going to go to heaven. And now I can look back on that and understand, oh, Mm -hmm. that was a demonic attack to to put fear in my life so that I would follow spirit of fear, not the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of different ways. But I really feel like the key there is having a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. because He can speak to those lies. He can show us the truth, and it's so important. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I was thinking about because that was through a hurt, was how important it is not to get offended and to fall into unforgiveness. Because I think that's a very common way people get demonic strongholds in their life.
1: Absolutely. Because
0: they get really hurt. It's a real thing. It's real feelings. It's not to undermine how they feel. Yeah. But then they don't want to let it go.
1: Yeah. You know, Romans 16 refers to offense as the bait of Satan. Mm. Um, It's the, the word for offense comes from the greek word scandalon and what happens is that the way the enemy gets us tra- uh, caught in a scandalon or a scandal is is when he lures us with offense it's actually the it's like a trap yeah. right and the trap leads to demonization and in some instances death yeah. and that's why we have to really guard our heart mm-hmm. You know, if you study Matthew eighteen, Jesus tells the parable of the servants. One was forgiven, the other one left and tried to collect a debt. Collect a debt from his fellow servant, and uh, there's a there's a verse there in Matthew eighteen. He says, "And the Lord was wroth with the servant, or angry with the servant, and threw him into prison, and delivered him to the tormentors, and he was not released until he paid the debt." So those tormentors are those familiar spirits. When we violate the spiritual law of love, right, and, we, and we, we operate in hatred, John tells us that whoever hates his brother walks in darkness yeah. and doesn't know where he stumbles. Mm-hmm. You see, that darkness is when we open up our lives to those demonic powers. That's why I tell people, one of the best things you can do to get delivered is just forgive everybody. Yeah, I don't care who it I'm is. Too. Forgive the guy that slapped you when you were on the, you know, you're in the playground at, at three years old. You know, forgive the person that stole your your Twinkie. You know, when just just forgive everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, it's a simple prayer that I pray. I said, Lord, I forgive all of those who have who have sinned against me or wronged me. I freely forgive them as an act of my own will and volition. Yeah. As I would have you to forgive me, I forgive them now. And that's one of the things that keeps us clear of these liens these charges against us yeah uh, in the spiritual realm we have to keep our keep our lives clean from any debts that's why the bible says we forgive our debts right as you know forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and so i really believe that you're absolutely right i believe that a lot of people because when you talk about demonization i think one of the biggest demonic strongholds in the church is offense right yeah people it's almost like offense is a spiritual gift, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's like people just... It's
0: so common. You know,
1: it's so common. And it
0: blinds people.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Gifted people. Oh, man.
1: people. Oh, man. It's, it's, I'm telling you, as a pastor, I've seen it. I've seen it time and time again. And what happens over time is that the person will conflate the voice of offense mm-hmm. for the voice of God.
0: I know. I've seen it.
1: And they will hear, they will hear this instruction... And it will be totally coming from the demonic. Mm-hmm. But because they're offended, they can no longer distinguish God's voice.
0: Oh, that's why yeah. it's just so important to forgive. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about was we're talking about people under the influence, and this can actually help give you give clarity to different situations you're in. But the devil can attack you in one way by demons who are coming and speaking to you. But another way, the devil attacks people, and I think he loves to use this attack because it's more personal, Mm
1: -hmm. is
0: he will have influence over different people in your life, Mm -hmm. and they will come to you, and they'll slander you, or they'll be—they'll say kind of like cutting things to you. Oh, yeah. And I remember dealing with this with someone, and God speaking to me and saying about this individual, um, the devil's using this person as a mouthpiece. (laughs) That's good. And I— because I was just taking it personally because mm-hmm. I only saw the person. And God in the situation, no, the devil's using this person as a mm-hmm. mouthpiece. And you think about Jesus telling Peter, get behind me, Satan, in that moment. Yeah. The devil even used Peter to try to speak something to Jesus that was a lie. Yeah. And so one thing I want to tell people is, and you know, you need to ask the Holy Spirit. And, but it's just to give insight that even the devil can use people in our life. Mm-hmm. To um and then it's more hurtful because mm-hmm. it's in a person, yeah. but it's not that person. Yeah. It's that influence over that person. Yeah. And so um people who slander you, people who can say cunning things, people in leadership that are very controlling, mm-hmm. that can be a spirit, yeah. mm-hmm. and they're trying to control you and also a religious spirit. Oh boy. That's very common in the church. You read
1: my book already? No, I'm just, I'm just uh,
0: <laughs> And so in a lot of times when people tell me their experiences and they're like, I had such a bad experience in church. And I was yeah. like, well, that really wasn't God. That was actually demonic. Exactly. And they just don't know at the time, yeah. and a lot of—I think—a lot of experiences I had with people, it was a religious spirit. And then yeah. you see the fruit of that, and you're like, "Oh, that makes so much sense." Exactly. So yeah. once again, it goes to what you're saying: there are people that can have these demonic influences, yeah. and that's why you need the Holy Spirit even to distinguish those situations, so yeah. you know how to deal with it. Because yeah. there's a difference between dealing with a person and dealing with a demon influencing a person.
1: That's powerful. One of the things I tell people all the time is—is is this this phrase: "It's not personal." Oh, so good. And um, you got to get that down in your spirit. Mm-hmm. If you're going to live this life without going insane, you have to have the revelation mm-hmm. of it's not personal. You know, it was something you said earlier I wanted to speak to, bringing it to this. Yeah. There's several ways God speaks to people, mm-hmm. speaks to his children. So one of the ways God speaks to us is through his word. Mm-hmm. Um, he speaks to us uh, by the promptings of his spirit. Okay, he can speak to us through people. right? He can speak to us through dreams and visions, mm-hmm. things like that. Or he can speak to us through circumstances. Mm-hmm. So the devil's a counterfeiter, right? Mm-hmm. So just like God speaks to us in those ways, the enemy also speaks through those ways. He can give people false words. Yes. He can give people uh, uh, promptings out of their own brokenness. He can give people false dreams and visions or nightmares, right? Mm-hmm. Or like you talked about, He can cause us to to believe something wrong based upon our circumstances. In other words, a person can look at their circumstance and their circumstance can speak to them, but it may not be what God is saying about who they are. Yeah. That's why we have to be very careful that you don't allow your circumstances to be the final authority about who God says you are, you know. When we talk about familiar spirits, one of the things that's interesting is that all my life I dealt with jealousy and betrayal, from the time I was a little kid, and I couldn't understand it. I said, "This doesn't make any sense." Just people would attack me, and and just would be jealous. And sometimes I'm like, "What are y'all even jealous of? Yeah. I don't even have anything to be jealous of. I want what you have." And yeah. and but but it was a spirit, and I want to show you this because this is I think it's going to help somebody. Mm-hmm. What happens is that those spirits um, are assigned to discourage you and keep you out of your purpose. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing, if I don't want to go into ministry because I've already faced enough betrayal, I've already faced enough rejection, and that's what the enemy wants, for you to reject your calling and your assignment yes. on account of the rejection that you're going through. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord really showed me this. He said, son, he showed me the demonic connected to this, that the devil was working through situations and people to cause you to embrace a, a spirit of rejection mm-hmm. and ultimately reject my purpose for your life. And I didn't realize this until years ago Uh, I had a pastor at my church who came to speak for me. Mm -hmm. And um, God told me, we had already blessed him with the honorarium, but the Lord says, give him an additional, whatever the amount he told me to do. The next morning, he gives me a call. He says, I had a dream that I was in a car, and the police pulled me over, and there were guns in my car. He says, and I immediately knew what the dream meant, and I had to call you. I said, what do you mean? He says, he said, man, I've been slandering you. I've been talking about you like a dog, man. He said, and God told me that because of what I did, I was under arrest spiritually. He said, I needed to repent immediately and discharge this claim against me. And then he said to me, he says, this is something that has been going on in my family line for years. The men in my family are always offended. They always get into these these things where they they feel jealous of another person or they get offended with another person. And it was all based on, he said that he thought that I had stolen his sermons and and his content and all this kind of stuff. We don't necessarily think of that as demonic because it doesn't have horns. It's not in a red jumpsuit with a tail but that is absolutely from the hosts of hell. Mm -hmm. Strife, confusion, jealousy, slander, Mm -hmm. gossip. So these these were familiar spirits working in his life and in mine to keep us in bondage. And so when I understood that I went before the Lord and I said, Father, I fall out of agreement with anything, any slander, anything I've believed, Anything that I have accepted as normal—that's not supposed to be normal—and mm-hmm. I break agreement with that. And when I started to do that, it stopped happening. It just stopped because I realized that it wasn't just about the people, because you—you you can go to different cities and you see the same demon in different people. You go to—you yeah. di- move different campuses, and some people divorce one spouse and marry one just like them. And so it's—it's it's basically a spiritual thing that we have to understand its root system and break the root system. And then we started to experience freedom.
0: What did you do when you realized that the enemy was trying to get you to agree with the spirit of rejection in particular?
1: Oh, that was a big one. You know, I'm gonna show you how it worked with me. When I was um, first started preaching, mm-hmm. I would go to preach places and nobody would show up.
0: Oh, and I got, that would kill me.
1: I was so hurt. I said, God, I know I'm anointed, I know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And God said to me, he says, son, it's not about the people. He said, it's about you. He said, you have come into agreement with the lie that says no one wants to hear you. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. So no matter how great my message was, I had already come into agreement with that demonic power of deception that says, well, I don't have anything to say. And the minute I renounced that, I literally stood in the mirror, I said, that's a lie. I said, I am not rejected and I do have something to say. I have a voice and people need to hear the message God's given me. And when I did that, I would go places and people just show up. So it shows you the spiritual, there's so many spiritual things that we're unaware of that are affecting our lives. That sometimes we are unknowingly or unwittingly in agreement with because we don't understand what's behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Fear, doubt, unbelief. Look at the culture. Look at what's going on right now in society. There's a lot of demonic power behind this, and the church has to make sure that we're not in agreement with it. We have to say, you know what? This, we don't agree with this. This is not God, and we renounce any agreement that we have with that, so we don't want to give the enemy uh, any legal grounds.
0: Any foothold. Yeah, any And so it's hold. just as simple as when the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. Yep. You renounce it. Yep. You repent for coming to agreement in it, and then you speak the truth of go. what God is telling you. That's it. It's that simple. It's
1: that simple.
0: It's not like this huge, big yeah. thing. And
1: I think that's what intimidates people. They think, yeah. oh, man, green stuff is about to start coming out of my <laughs> yeah. eyeballs. Oh, no. And so people don't want to get anywhere near deliverance yeah. because they say, no, they think about the exorcist, but when you, when you think of it as being liberated from a lie, that's what deliverance is. It's breaking the power of a lie that, that, that allows you and I to enjoy greater levels of freedom in Christ. That's deliverance. It could be in the moment. I remember um, I was in a service one time and the Lord set me free. It was just as simple as I, I, I stopped agreeing with the thing that I was struggling with. And I said, God, I give this to you. And like that, the Lord set me free. Mm. It wasn't anything dramatic, or you know, I I didn't, you know, you know, birds didn't fly out of my mouth or yeah. anything like that. It was just in that moment, I no longer agreed with the lie of the enemy, and I turned to to the truth. And as I did that, there was a, a manifestation of freedom. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Mm -hmm. You actually kind of brought up something. I think this can shift over to the subject because I want to talk about cancel culture, but just like things can be going on in the personal life of someone, Mm -hmm. there's also things going on corporately. Yep, there you go. And it's interesting. It wasn't until 2020, around that time, that I began to understand that there is things at play and that in the church, we have to be able to discern we have the spirit of truth Mm -hmm. but are we listening to him right we have to be able to discern what is going on in the spiritual world right because we're presenting stuff in the physical Mm -hmm. and we're living in a world that really doesn't want to acknowledge God at all Mm -hmm. or say he doesn't exist and only look at things in the physical Mm -hmm. earlier you brought up abortion what was interesting is our culture has tried to reduce abortion to something mm-hmm. purely physical, something purely mm-hmm. political. Mm-hmm. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. Mm-hmm. It's very spiritual mm-hmm. and it's demonic. And so we have to understand as believers that there is a demonic agenda going on in the world. And so that when it's at play, we don't fall for it. Mm-hmm. We're not deceived by it. Right. And we're able to speak the truth against it mm-hmm. and that we're not intimidated by that. Exactly. And this is where we lead to cancel culture. Right. And what is something that started off and was presented as, you know, if someone says something wrong, they need to be held accountable for mm-hmm. their actions. Well, that is seemingly good. Right. Yes, we wouldn't mm-hmm. disagree with that. What we saw was presented as one thing. Mm-hmm. There was a whole mm-hmm. agenda behind it. Yes. And what it, we've now kind of see more of its true colors right. is, we're gonna silence anyone mm-hmm. and punish them and intimidate anyone who will not say Exactly what we want them to say. Exactly. Our version of truth. Yes. Which is not truth in the first place. There you go. So speak to cancel culture and what's going on.
1: Well, it is the great deception of our our time. Uh, uh, You know, when you... I agree with accountability. I believe that accountability is important. We need to be held accountable. But...
0: That's not how it's operating. You
1: know, accountability based in a lie is not real accountability. I'll give you an example, the Me Too movement, Mm -hmm. right? I think this is a perfect example of it. Every person who is uh, sane and rational would agree that if a man or a woman who who violates another person, who uh, uses their power in a way that enslaves another person, Mm -hmm. should be held accountable for their actions. I mean, that's, you know, human trafficking. We have all kinds of sexual assault things going on. And and it's abuse. And and it's egregious to the heart of God, you know? However, when you look at uh, the Me Too as a movement, just like Black Lives Matter as a movement, it's the same thing. The women that founded Me Too, most of them, are uh one in particular sits on the board of an organization whose sole purpose is to get young women to come out as bi and trans. Oh man. Right? But you don't see that part of it. So there is the there is the the front fascia of equality, equity, and justice, but behind that front fascia is a spirit of perversion. Mm-hmm. That wants to put enmity between men and women. Because when God made us, Genesis 126, He made us to be co-dominionaires. We was I call it being a dominionaire. We were supposed to be uh those who operated in dominion together. Mm-hmm. But if we have antagonism and enmity between us, we can't fulfill God's original purpose it's true. that He established in the Garden of Eden. Men ought to respect women, women ought, women ought to respect men. We ought to submit one to another as God designed. that can only come about through doing it God's way. Satan does not have a solution to the problems in the culture. Mm-mm. so when we concede to the enemy, we're under uh, deception. So I my you know in long that's the long-winded way of saying, the cancel culture is very demonic because it doesn't provide redemption, it doesn't provide true accountability, and it doesn't provide change. And so because of that, it's not something that we should embrace as believers. If you made a mistake, and you've repented of what you've done, and you have cleared your books with God, you ought to get another chance yeah. just like all of us no if god was a god of cancer culture none of us would be sitting here today because we all would have been canceled yeah but thank god for jesus christ who died on the cross to give us another chance
0: well this conversation with dr Keenan bridges has been so good there's more so make sure to stay tuned for part two of our conversation you can also follow me on instagram at rebecca lamwise